Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom. I'm very excited. We have the mighty Mike Barron with us today. Mike, how are you? Doing good, thanks. Uh, Mike, it's always a pleasure. You know, you were my first guest on the Signal of Doom about five or six years ago. And um, it's always a pleasure to have you back. And Mike, you have only become more prolific over those years. It feels like you are just busy, busy, busy. You know, we've got, what is it, Florida Man versus Hogzilla is the latest project, correct? Yes, it's amazing that, that I found myself uh, with my career taking off at this late stage. Oh, it's well-deserved, man. Like, I mean, God, we all remember way back in the day, Mike, when you were when you were writing Punishers and stuff. But now, when I think of you, I think of things like Florida Man, the Bronze Star, Biker Series. I mean, you, you know, how do you rest, Mike? Like, is there any rest or is it just around the clock? It, it seems like all I do is sit around, but but somehow, <laughs> somehow these things get written. Uh, one of the things is that, that I work at my own pace on my own projects. It's not like doing a monthly comic for Marvel or DC, although I have to say I've never been late for a deadline in my life. Mm. Uh, but, but having my own schedule allows me uh, to go over the, the stories many times and uh, make them as good as I can. Every time I look at anything I wrote, even if I've been working on it for months, I'll see something I can change to improve it. So at some point uh, I realize I've come to the land of diminishing returns. And I say, this is as good as it's going to get. And off it goes. Yeah, you, could, could you can over, I mean, I'm a writer myself. You can overwrite and over it. You need to get to a point where you're like, this is ready to release into the wild now. Yeah. Yeah. And also, uh, when I do make those changes, uh, I'm more apt to take things out than to put mm. things in. Mm. I've got a question. With Florida Man, um, you very kindly sent me a promo um, comic last night, which I read. And what a fun storyline, man. Now, am I right in saying, I was just doing my research, um, These you, you've written some Florida Man novels pro- previous to the comics, correct? That's true. I'm working on the fourth one now. Yeah, and as as I was, because I enjoyed it so much, it's cr- like how would you describe it? I would describe it as pure craziness, like the cliche of the Florida man and his antics. Is that would that be apt, or how would you put it, Mike? Gary Duba's a redneck living in a trailer down by the swamp. He's got a hair trigger temper. He likes to get high. He likes to get stoned. He's been in and out of trouble with the law his whole life, but he's got a heart of gold, and he'd give you the shirt off his own back. Every Gary Duba story follows the same dynamic from rags to riches to rags to riches to rags to riches to rags to riches. <laughs> and uh, every scheme is crazier than the last. Uh, the new book begins with uh, Gary agreeing to smuggle 100 red kneed tarantulas into the country from Mexico. Apparently, people prize them as pets. Go figure. Uh, they're illegal to, to bring into the country. Uh, and uh, the guy that hires him says, uh, just fly to Mexico City. You meet my connection. She'll give you a sealed suitcase. And check it through. Don't worry. The suitcase is completely sealed. They can't get out. Wrong. 
<laughs> and that's that's how the story starts. Yeah. There's so much more to it than that, but that's yeah. an important aspect. I, I uh, love his girlfriend. His girlfriend's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At the page uh, that we're currently funding, let me send you a link to that because mm. uh, it's got four covers there. Uh, yeah, just click that on. Sure. And uh, you see those four covers on the, well, those aren't the covers, actually. There's, there's one of them is at the top. The four covers are right in the middle, right in the middle where it's yeah. set two pages of full color. And click that on and, or no, you know, you go down, go down. You oh, I see can see it. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. And as well, the, um, I love the vacation, uh, like um, homage. Yeah, like, Adam Miller oh, did that. He's former yeah. policeman. It's that's great. Is that the guy who the former policeman who did the um was Thin it? Blue Line? No, Thin that's Blue my Line. friend Joe Arnold, and he's uh, penciling Thin Blue Line too right now. I loved Thin Blue Line. We had you on to talk about that, Mike, and that was just great. And I'm so glad that um, and you you really are funding these. They seem to be funding well. I can see here you're at fifteen thousand right now. I guess a twenty five thousand dollar target hopefully we push you a bit higher but you know um the money comes in you're turning it straight around and it's great man like um do you enjoy this sort of i guess it's what the last five years this has kind of really taken off for you professionally do you do you enjoying this phase of your career where this is how it's how it's going you bet uh, and oh, i good. have to say that a lot of the credit goes to chris brawley Mm -hmm. of the big entertainment group. Uh, he runs my campaigns. He creates mm -hmm. these uh, videos for the books and he's in charge of marketing. Uh, yeah. Chris is a genius uh, and he's uh, enriched my life. Well, I'm, I'm so glad, Mike, because I think, I mean, you know, we, we know each other recently. Well, you're a kind of an old school guy and I'm glad that the, um, you know, and I mean that as a compliment, old school, best school. But you've 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 met up with someone who's who's taken it into that twenty first century funding model at the exact right time because I I mean I'm over here in Sydney Australia but when I look on the internet and Facebook there's a lot of competition out there in that market so I'm glad that you're you're prospering. Um, well, thank you, uh, Hogzilla, Florida man. Uh, is neither fish nor fowl because as you know, comic fans have certain genres that they love superheroes sure. horror science fiction uh and florida man lies outside those parameters uh mm. but the people who have read the first book or any of the novels uh mm. know how good it is because it's, it's it's my number one rule anything i write is it's my job to entertain and i never lose sight of that fact and these stories are wildly entertaining uh, if you read the reviews on Amazon, which have been very gratifying, and, and Florida mm -hmm. Man is by far my best-selling novel. Uh, I was going to ask that, yeah. Review after review says, I was laughing so hard, I had to pull over to the side of the road because I couldn't see. I was listening to it on audiobook. <laughs> and, and my wife kicked me out of the bedroom because I kept breaking out laughing. As so many of those reviews have said that. I was reading the um the 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 first novel uh this morning and I was laughing, I must admit. I was laughing at the um you know what it is? I mean, obviously, Mark, you're a good writer. Like we all know this, and I've read all your biker books, you're, you tell an excellent story. But it's just what a he's such a lovable loser. 
you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and like, it, it's just crazy, you know. I, but like, I believe in the states. Isn't there a thing about Florida? Um, it's kind of like only in Florida this could happen, kind of thing. Isn't, isn't that right? That's the kind well, of well. Other states are now throwing their hat into the ring. Uh, sure. But the, the key to, to Gary is that he is a lovable loser because many of those Florida yeah. man stories are just sordid and yeah. ugly. Uh, sure. One that the, the headline that I always remember is Florida man claims syringe found in rectum is not his. Uh, and there are, <laughs> there are hundreds of headlines like that. And, yeah. uh, and yeah. a lot of them don't have happy endings. A lot of them are just yeah. pointless. Uh, but, but with Gary, uh, his saving grace is that he is a good-hearted person and he wants to do yeah. well. Uh, and he just, he wished he hadn't flown into a rage at that moment. And, and you know, uh, Crystal is now his wife. She yeah. uh, likes to get high maybe a little too much. And, she loves uh, to get high from what yeah, I see. <laughs> so there's an incident in the, in the, uh, in the second graphic novel. Uh, where I, I, you will howl. You will howl. But then she has to, straighten out and get into training because she's scheduled yeah. to fight an Australian brawler named the Cassowary. <laughs> and that made me laugh. Cause what is, her, is she a stripper in the story? Like, is that her job or what is she? No, no, like? she's never a stripper. Although she did work in a, in a uh, strip club before we met her. Uh, right. Uh, but, but her fame comes, you know, in, in the first book, Gary won the lottery, so he bought a $5 million mansion and he started throwing these wild parties Right. And the parties were so wild that the police came and, and, uh, uh, Gary says he was drunk and belligerent and says, we're not making trouble. And he, and a cop threw him to the ground and Crystal saw that she didn't like it. Uh, so she grabbed a wedding gift that was given to her as a gag by one of her girl pals. And yeah. she jumps out of the building and starts whacking cops with it. Uh, I can't, <laughs> I can't really describe Well, you know, I could. Should I? Yeah. Should I? It's a black dildo. It's a hard rubber yeah. black dildo, and that's how she <laughs> she got the nickname, the black dildo. Yeah, uh, and 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 once she got the nickname, uh, wrestling promoters started coming to her because she's this obviously she's very athletic, and this is very marketable. So uh, she hooks up with a guy named Downtown Brown, who uh, sponsors women's wrestling, and he, and he works to make her a star. So the big bout coming up in number two. There's going to be a bout in every. Florida man novel and that's graphic good. novel because that's what Crystal does and and uh, yeah. sometimes she brings in the bacon. Yeah, yeah, and 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 she's got like a trainer and all sorts of stuff going on. Like it's very mystical, almost. I mean, I love it. It's just um, I, I would recommend obviously going back this new project, uh, Florida Man versus Hogzilla by Mike. Um, it, it's out now. What funding? What funding uh, is it on? What We're on it? Indiegogo, Kickstarter, Indiegogo. and Fund My Comic. Can you show that oh, page? There. I would, but it's beyond my abilities. Um, I don't, don't worry. I'll put this page in the um. I'll put the I'll put the page in the links, Mike. So the people who listen to the show will be able to able to um see see the you know the Thank links you. and stuff to 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 back the project because I think it's it's urgent. I also would encourage them to check out uh, the Florida Man novels, which are on Kindle. Um, and I, I've also got, I've got my Kindle and I've got the Florida Man novels there. Now, um, it's, it's a legendary, it's great. Now I also, um, you flicked across to me this bronze star, which I know is fully funded, but if people want to get bronze star, which is, is a kind of Western horror, 
completely different feel, um, but amazing. And can I say the artist in Bronze Star is amazing. I, I mean, really classic Western um, feel and look of, of a comic book. Yeah, um, it's uh, Pat Broderick. It's the greatest work of his career. It's great. Uh, and yeah. and be, because we were astonished mm. uh, by his black and white work. Yeah. That That's why we put out this uh, giant size uh, artist edition mm. so that you can savor it. It really has to be seen in black and white to be believed. It's beautiful. And it's just... Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, that black and white does look absolutely almost perfect, really. Like, you know. Um, and and so is that commercially available? If people want to buy that, they can oh, buy yeah, it. Oh, yeah, it's, it's available. Edition. Everything is available at barrencomics.com. And if you go there and all you see is Florida Man, go up to the top. Yeah. And it says Mike's books and just click that on. But they also have uh, their own IPAs, every every one of the books. And Florida Man is floridamancomics.com, uh -huh. thinbluelinecomics.com, theprivateamerican.com. They'll all take you to my page. Man, our, uh, the private American was great. The private American that was didn't you, you that came that was that was quite recently, wasn't? It? We had last time we had you on the show. Um, you that was the um, it was kind of a vigilante, wasn't it? Like it was the he guy is a who, vigilante, and he yeah. came about because uh, I didn't like what Marvel was doing to the Punisher, and I wanted to show people what the Punisher should be. Yeah, well, who does like what Marvel's doing with the Punisher? Just about nobody. <laughs> I've, I've really not met anyone outside of what uh, Tom Brevoort maybe and the writer. That's it. <laughs> no, I mean, Private American um, was a reminder of here's how it should be done, you know, and all these books you have, Mike, all these comics, I meant to ask you this question. Like, for example, Bronze Star. I won't spoil the ending for anyone, but when it finishes, I was like, I could do with a sequel. Do you look at the numbers and think it could be worthwhile? It's funny you say that because Pat is already several pages into the next Bronze Star. Great, great. Um, because I read that last night in preparation for this interview, and I was like, man, this is a really good story. And I just the same as with um, Thin Blue Line and Private America. When I got to the end, I was almost sad because I was like, I just want the next the next volume, you know, and you're only one man. And um, I imagine your, your, your wife works around the clock to punch out this stuff. I'm, I'm glad she does. Um, yeah, but like, so Bronze Star's getting a, a, a sequel. Thin Blue Line's getting a sequel. You, did you say that the your, your friend, is he drawing a sequel to that one or, or is that a one and done? Uh, Thin Blue Line, I, Joe Arnold is the police officer who draws that. And, and Joe is already about a third of the way through the book. This, this is Thin Blue Line number two. I'm very yeah. excited about it. Yeah. I think it's just as good, if not better, than the first one. Yeah. And what's the situation like over there in the States now, Mike? Because I remember uh, when Thin Blue Line came out, it was at the, you remember the crazy um, anti-cop stuff? I forget exactly what it that, was. but That's it was why I wrote it. Yeah. It was nuts. Did you see the other day, I don't mean to get political, but like there was some protesting going on in New York and they had the cops in a it were sheltering in like a um i don't know what you could call it like a station and these protesters with um let's frankly palestinian flags were, were smashing on the the doors and wave and i'm like what has happened here like you know how is this allowed like forget what flag they're actually doing in what world are we allowing people to attack the police station 
and it's like there's no there's no retribution there's no consequence for this well uh those who study history understand that this was is no surprise to anybody who understands history that this is the fate of every successful republic as you recall rome was ransacked by barbarians because they could no longer control their borders in our case the people who have seized power in this country have decided that they no longer want this country. They do not want it to be a legitimate state. And that's why we have no southern border. Uh, they've invited these people in uh, for several reasons. One is they, they hope that all these uh, illegal aliens will vote Democrat so that they can get mm. free stuff. And the Democrat Party will remain in power forever. And that's the plan. Uh, mm. It's unfortunate. Uh, they're sociopaths. Uh, and uh, the country may be too far gone to be saved at this state. Uh, and all I can do is to try and make entertainment out of it. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind not... of commentary, entertainment, satire, uh, you know, all this. Because, like, in all honesty, what more can you do? Because I feel as a citizen, when it's slipping away, there's really only so much you can do. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm not going to get out there and fight them, but I do think that the police and armed forces should be doing it. That's my opinion. Well, they should. But here's the natural order of things. Uh, A man cares for his family first. Sure. Second comes his friends. Third comes his neighborhood. Fourth comes his community. Fifth comes his state. And finally, he worries about the country last. Sure. Uh, Yeah. Well, of course, friends and family come first. You know, family comes first. Like, let's face it. Well, that's only natural. Yeah, but but still, I still have a real problem with these clowns, um, and we get a little bit of in Australia, but nowhere near as much. Running like I don't, I'm all for if someone wants to do a peaceful protest, and you know, fine. But when it gets to throwing rocks and smashing down windows and tearing down shops, I honestly feel that's the point where if the police don't want to do it, the armed forces should come in and sort them out. You know, I I agree with you. Uh, yeah. But uh, unfortunately, now our military has been eroded. And and uh, when you join the military, you're required to take courses on uh, transgenderism and bisexuality and to give them your hmm. pronouns and a bunch of nonsense. And, yeah, and you look at the, the people that are in charge of our military, they're just clowns. And like most yeah. of the people in charge of this government, they're unfit for any position of responsibility. And that's because they're not serious people. Uh, The founding fathers who created this country, the greatest country on earth, and the proof is in the pudding, were serious adults and thought about these things long and hard. And John Adams said, our constitution is uh, suited only for a religious and moral people. It is totally unsuitable for any others. And and he made the point that unless people are good, unless they they have character and honor, uh, that the country cannot sustain itself. And that's where we are now, because the people who have taken over this country have no character or honor. Uh, they go into politics for three reasons. One, to get rich. Two, yeah. to enjoy special privileges. And three, to hurt people they don't like. But, you know, I, I don't want to get sidelined into a, a political sure. diatribe here. Everybody sure. who knows me knows this is how I feel. Uh, and I feel better talking about the entertainment aspects yeah I, i'm sorry mike i'm sorry i mean you, you, it's you, not your fault it's not your I, yeah. I i had to say it or i wouldn't you know no it's cool man um yeah anyway now turning to um something else that i'm very fond of 
It's Your Biker novels, which I have read and love. And you broke some news to me that you've got a team-up happening. Tell us about this team-up and the new book. I'm very excited. Chuck, I said. (laughs) Chuck, may I borrow Levon Cade for a biker novel? And he said, go ahead. Love it. So I did. It's the most complicated and longest biker novel yet. It's over 80,000 words. And the reason is uh, it's about the Civil War. It's about a feud going back to the American Civil War. Uh, So I had to do a lot of research. Uh, There's historical reenactments in there. Uh, There's a a lot about the Civil War, but only insofar as it serves the story. Uh, I'm very happy with it. It's it's very different from other ones, but uh, uh, I think when it comes out, it's going to create a sensation, especially if we can time it to come out at the same time as the new Levon Cade movie. Yeah, that's right. Chuck does have a new Levon Cade with Jason Statham. That's right. Jason Statham. Have you read any Levon Cade novels? I've read them all, man. All right. All right. Well, you know, then then Jason, God love him. I love him. But he can't act. Uh, He's he's good (laughs) as Jason Statham. But no matter what part he plays, he's speaking in that British accent. He is British, and Levon Cade isn't. But you know what? I trust in Sly. I trust in Jason Statham. They'll get the job done. Yeah, um, yeah. We're big fans, as you know. We're big pals with Chuck, and we have him on the show often. And I couldn't be happier for him that he's got this movie happening. Um, it, it is a left-field choice, but I don't care. I'm going to go with the flow. Um, I love those books. though. So his character, um, your biker novels, I would call them kind of gritty crime with a touch of slash dark humor through them um and i can see those two characters meeting they're both pretty hardheads are they going to clash or are they going to team up or well they have their story? disagreements but uh, it is sure. a team up uh yeah. the biker novels are my attempt to do modern noir uh yeah and like many writers i was inspired by the novels of john d mcdonald in particular his travis mcgee series and, and many of uh our watchers right now may not be familiar with John D. McDonald, but I bet most of them have seen the movie Cape Fear. There are two versions, and that's a John D. McDonald novel. But Travis McGee uh, was his uh, offering in the tradition of the tarnished knight who down these mean streets he must go, acting as a court of last resort for people who have been wronged and can't get justice anywhere else. And in that uh, sense... Uh, he's in the tradition of Raymond Chandler's Philip Marlowe or okay. Dashiell Hammett's The Continental Op uh, or uh, uh, Mickey Spillane. Boyle, yeah, Mickey Spillane and um, Mike Hammer, yeah. That's right. That's right. And and uh, Josh Pratt is is my offering in, in that tradition. And Josh yeah. is a reformed motorcycle hoodlum who went to prison and found God in prison. And yeah. comes out determined to turn his life around, and he just gets one harrowing case after another. Yeah, that, that one with the um, the serial killer, that was crazy, and and also the one with like the university. It was to do with the university, and uh, and all this stuff was going on. Like, no, seriously, they're, they're really good books. I, I've I've read them, um, a, a lot of them. Like, I've read five or six of them, I think, and I I love them. He's a, he's a great character, and. I, what I'm thinking is, Mike, um, when I think of those books, is that do you ever get any feelers from you know TV or anything with all the streaming shows and stuff? Oh yes, a producer has taken an option out on Biker and keep your fingers cool. crossed. 
Well, that's great, man. Because uh, no, I can see that it's very, it's very filmetic, and I mean the way you the way you write, um, you do have that hard boiled you, in your novels. You know what I mean? There's the, you, you, there's a hard boiled tendency to it. I love it. I mean, because I I've read all that stuff that you mentioned, um, or you know, I've read a fair chunk of Nicky Spillane, and certainly um, uh, what was his name, Philip Marlowe, Raymond Chandler's stuff. Like it's it's there, you know. Well, I've got a question for you. In terms of Philip Marlowe, what do you think was the best film portrayal? Uh, I, you know, I think Bogey was the best Philip Marlowe, but he really didn't yeah. make a, a, a great Marlowe movie. The, the great Marlowe movie has yet to be made. Uh, yeah. You recall there was one with James Mitchum, uh, and yes. Mitchum would have been perfect, but they cast him when he was in his 70s. He was old. Yeah, Robert Mitchum. Yeah, he was old. He was like... Uh, old, old, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, did you did you see Liam Neeson is has done a new one? I haven't seen the movie yet, but Liam Neeson's done a Marlowe movie. Uh, yeah, I'll have to see that uh, eventually. I may see it this weekend. I don't know. I mean, I, I love Liam Neeson, uh, yeah. but uh, lately he he seems to be in Nicolas Cage mode in that he really yeah. isn't choosing his projects with the greatest intelligence. No. <laughs> We we watched a movie with him just recently. It was kind of another variation on Taken, but it was actually quite entertaining. Um, maybe it was called Relentless or something, but basically the storyline was he was like a hedge fund manager, um, and there was a lot of double crossing and a lot of it. it a lot of it took place in kind of real time, and he was like, uh, they were threatening to kill his wife and kids and stuff, and he he was kind of a. It was very take. It was it was kind of like another version of Taken with a slight twist. It was. I haven't seen that one. I, I would like to recommend The Gray, which okay, I think yeah. is brilliant. Have you yeah. seen that? Uh, I have. I have. It was good. Yeah. No. It's, it was it's good. an existential thriller. It's not like the others. No. An existential thriller is uh, when the protagonist is doomed from the very beginning, uh, and you know it. But but the story is so gripping. It's about a bunch of uh, uh, oil roustabouts whose airplane crashes in the Alaskan wilderness. And uh, Liam Neeson kind of takes charge of them as they try to survive. Exactly. No, it's a good, it's a, it, that's a good movie. I mean, he's made some great movies over the years, but I agree. He has done a fair bit of like, just take the money and run. Like, you know, like, I don't know how else to describe it. Yes. Well, well we talk about the Nicolas Cage movie of the month. Uh, yeah. But if I could recommend one, it's called Joe, and it's yes. uh, the best the best movie Nick Cage has made in years. It's just brilliant. Uh, it's mm. like a Cormac McCarthy story. It's none of this outlandish stuff. He yeah. plays uh, a man in charge of a timber uh, cutting crew in the Deep South. Have you seen it? No, no, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. No, yeah. I, I've heard of it. Excellent I know it's movie. highly regarded. Yeah. yeah, I, I, um. He's done some crazy movies like Color Out of Space, Mandy. He's done some pretty bizarre films over the last even uh, five Yeah. Years. Oh, I also like uh, The Unbearable Weight of Enormous Talent. I think that's pretty funny. That's good. It's worth watching because it makes fun yeah. of him. Yeah, and I think he's kind of like um, Nick Cage. He's kind of been on the um, redemption trail. I think he got out of his tax issues and he's, he's, he's picking his projects a bit more carefully the last couple of years. Like He, he had to sell um, his comic collection. Yeah, he, he was a real comic book. Have you ever met him? Like, um, no. Real comic book. Wish yeah. I had. I've, I've seen him at, um, there was a video of him a few years ago. Uh, he was at a Vegas con 
and he was hunting the really expensive stuff. Um, and they they had him going through the convention. Someone was filming him. He's really into it. Like he 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 knows his stuff. Like um, they say, you might know this, uh, Mike. I mean, you've been. I'm sure you've been to millions of cons. They say they say that these cons. You know how people sell um, like original comic book art. You know. But they say that there's like a back room where like the really good stuff is for a lot of the dealers. Like, is this true? I mean, I've never heard of it. No, no, yeah, those guys are there to yeah. sell. They're going to bring their stuff out on the floor. I've seen books out on the floor that they're charging thousands of dollars for. But the real okay. money is at these these auctions now. You know, right. CDC graded books that they sell for a hundred and fifty. Well, I don't know about that, but you know, action number one, that's sold sure. for over a million dollars. And there's a lot of art that's selling for huge numbers too. Like uh, Rob Leefield's uh, uh, notorious drawing of Captain America recently sold. He's for got the breasts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, yeah, no, that's what I heard. I, I, I heard that um, it was someone like, it was like a Jimmy Pomiati telling the story. It was someone of some note. Who was saying that when they when they go to these conventions and the art they're selling, that a lot of these dealers have extra stuff that they bring VIPs back who are really going to pay big money. You know, Jimmy like, would know. Jimmy would. Yeah, know. he would know. It was interesting. I want to get Jimmy on the show, not just to ask him about that, but um, I want to I want to chat to him about this kind of stuff. But Mike, I mean, the thing is, when I think of your career, I mean, I know it's had its I know that I know we don't need to cover it, but I know that there's been times where there's been ups and downs, but you've been on an upcycle. Maybe it was signal. The first time we had you on, I had a feeling this is a guy who was hungry. He was on the comeback trail. You're punching out plenty of good stuff. And it's been a success story ever since. And I'm just so glad that you got your head around this funding model because surely you've brought in a lot of fans who weren't fans back in the eighties and nineties guys who've discovered you now, you know, has that happened? New people. I think so. Yes. Uh, I mean, I'm grateful for the fans who remember the work I did in the eighties and nineties. Mm. Uh, but the traditional comic world as we know it is, is disappearing. Yeah. There's a real question whether Marvel and DC are even going to continue publishing in the next couple of years because the books aren't selling. And there are many reasons for this, not the sure. least of which is the rise of video games other than yeah. that, the fact that the comic book stores can no longer sustain themselves, they're not getting enough traffic. Uh, and also the reason is that the books that the big two are putting out are, are frankly not, not entertaining. Indeed, many of them are repellent. Yeah, they, many of them suck. Um, <laughs> like, but, but I would say in the last 10 years, it's really declined. I, like, I think the decline has been pretty steep in the last decade. But at the same time, it's mirrored in this black universe by the rise of the independents and the crowdfunded books. Uh, right. And of course there are more crowdfunded books than you can shake a stick at, but up near the sure. top. Yeah. Uh, for those of us who are associated with comics gate, uh, some of the finest pros in the business, like yeah. Ethan Van Skyver and Aaron Lopresti, Billy Tucci, Graham Nolan, yeah. Chuck himself. Yeah. We're all putting out yeah. crowdfunded books, books that yeah. deliver terrific art and terrific story. Yeah, thank God for you guys because, it, I mean, it's just bullshit that a lot of you guys got shown the door in the first place. But ne but now I think, you, look, you, you're sort of showing them. Because I don't think, it, when I look at Florida, I read Florida Man uh, versus Hogzilla last night, and I was laughing. I was like, this is crazy. This is whacked out. This is exactly what we need. But I don't see a DC or Marvel putting that out. Because no, no. it's got like, you know, it's, 
and it's not like it's not like it's X-rated or something. Like it's it's just it's fun. A it's a bit crazy. A little, yeah, maybe a little bit. Like maybe I reckon, um, say ten or fifteen years ago, a book like that might have had a chance at a Marvel Knights, but. I think it's better without the company restriction. And you're just like, here's my vision. Here, you know, this is it. Um, well, I'm, well I'm they're my married own to editor. their intellectual properties, and they have an obligation to keep those before the public. And, sure. and that's why uh, you see all these superfluous Spider-Man titles and Batman titles. And that doesn't mean they're all bad. Uh, some are good. But uh, Theodore Sturgeon was a great science fiction novelist, and he created Sturgeon's Law. Mm -hmm. Sturgeon's law says that 90% of everything is crap. And that's true. And you can apply it to anything, not just comics, but it's true. True. Yeah, that, that, that's right. You've always got to sift the wheat from the chaff, chaff or whatever it's called. Um, yeah, no, I know. And I think now it's more, more like, in my honest opinion, especially Marvel, it's like 95, 96% crap. <laughs> well, I, I, I wouldn't know. I, I got to tell no, you. It's, I, it's the, only, the only Marvel and DC I, I see are the pages my friends post on social yeah. media to laugh at them. Yeah, that's more comedic, you know, yeah. because, Mike, they're chasing a, um, what do you call They're chasing a mythical audience member. They're this mythical person out there who also has a deep wallet, you know? This is the thing. A lot of their money now is, um, I'm sure, comes from their reprints of their trades of the classic stuff because people like me, I, I buy plenty of that old stuff in the, in the omnibuses and all that. But I, I buy barely no new stuff from from those guys because I, I invest my money elsewhere, you know. But um, it's interesting. But you've seen all the changes, man. Like when just just to cut back for a second, like if you went back to the um the mid eighties coming out of Crisis when you did Flash, was that were you you were a pretty young guy? Was that an exciting time to be working in the business? Like I yes, know you was. had some, yeah. Were, were you like really like like excuse me for the pun, but like hit the ground running with flash. Were you like, I'm going to make a mark here. You know what I mean? Cause no, that was... never occurred to me really. Uh, even back then, my goal was to tell the most entertaining story I could. And my insight into the flash was this guy was burning calories. Uh, yeah. Like, like a Cadillac V8. And in, in order to keep his strength up and be able to do it, he had to ingest like 10 to 20,000 calories a day. And that was my insight. And he could eat all he wanted and never get fat. And they still, I, I, I think in the TV show, they still do that gag. You know, they still got him like punching down like burgers and stuff. It's funny. Um, so was that a really kind of like back then, like you had books like, you know, your Watchmen's, your Dark Knights, you had a crisis comic, you had your Nexus and all that. Was that a really, did you really feel like this industry then was a really vibrant place compared as to now, like at the big two? Did you feel I, like that was? Yes. Yes, I think it was. And I have to say that the whole time I worked for Marvel or DC, I can hardly remember any editorial interference and that sure. I have no complaints with either of those companies. They treated me very well. Sure. Uh, sure. Right up to the to the point where I just stopped getting assignments. Uh, but, yeah. but now there's been a massive turnover in editorial in, in every company. And, and uh, they're bringing in a lot of young people who aren't aware of the history of comics uh, and aren't committed to entertainment. And I think that's why we're getting the books like we're getting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's just interesting to me from, you know, I, I hate to call you a veteran, Mike, but you, you were there at the scene of the crime and, and, and 40 years passed by and you're still punching out stuff. Now, 
I, I want to say I'm going to put all the links up. Um, Florida Man versus Hogzilla is the current project. Go fund it. Um, I've seen the I've seen the the promo copy that Mike sent me. It's hilarious. Uh, also check out Mike's books on Amazon. I'll put those links in. Florida Man is available as novels. Mike is is there three of them? Is that right? There are three of them. I'm working on the fourth right now. Well, wow, fantastic, man. I've asked Chuck this question, like. For a guy like you, I you, you know you really you your own business, yeah. You, you, it's Mike Barron Enterprises, basically. W- what is a day in a week? Are you doing like eight hour days behind the word processor? Are you more or less, or are you seven days a week, or do you take time off? Oh, there's your wife. Hello, hello, Anne. Hi, Anne. <laughs> I'm on a show. <laughs> Hi, Anne. <laughs> Um, so how, how, how much are you doing on a daily basis when it comes? Well, to- I write for several hours every day and that's seven days a week, but I don't write for eight hours a day. No, uh, very few people yeah, do that. Although I do know a couple. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, right now I'm working on a, an outline uh, or a treatment for a movie and, mm. and I'm hung up because I don't know what happens next. And that's the most important question in all of fiction. All right, come on up. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, is it the dog? I love it. Which one is this, Mike? I, I know Mac. Mac, yeah. She's do old. You still, do you still have Bob or is Bob Oh, yeah. yeah. Bob yeah, just came in a minute ago. Excellent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, so you work a few hours Mac. a day because I always think that, like, in my opinion, like I, I consider someone myself who writes, I, I would like it to be longer, but at the end of the day, you know, I have other job and stuff, a nine to five job. But like, do you think you need to work a few hours a day to really get the momentum going? Do you know what I what, mean? Like, what I think is that writers are people who write every day. Yeah. If you're not yeah. writing every day, you're not a writer. Now, you know, if you go on vacation, you take a couple of days off. There are exceptions to that. Sure. Uh, but I always tell people, who want to write? Yeah. Carry a notepad and pen with you at all times. Yep. yep. It's more important than than a than a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, it's easier to make notes in a notepad, and you remember them. They're more memorable. Yeah. And they're easier sure. to find. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. No, I, you know what? And I think that's great advice. And I know we have a lot of writers who listen to Signal of Doom, and I myself am a writer, and I, and I'm always looking for tips and stuff. And like, um. A moment like I was once writing a story, Mike, where literally my character—it's a classic scenario where the where the hero's captured. Yeah, she, she was captured. She was pinned up against a wall, and it it symbolised in a way my own. I didn't know where the story was going. I really struggled. Now, now I look at it and think, really, that's just to let your brain almost puzzle through it for a night, and then come back the next day. Do you know what I mean? Like, don't get, yeah, like it's that's that's how I that's how I. Because I, because it used to be where people would say, oh, "I've got writer's block. I can't do this. I can't do that." Feels to me like it's a very self-created problem. You know, I don't know. Well, also, I recommend working on more than one project at a time, mm. uh, so that you can switch gears and approach something with a, a fresh eyes, and you're still working uh, yeah. while your subconscious works out whatever it is you're trying to do. That's true. That's true, man. And. Do you use a lot of outlines? I'm a big outline guy. I I, I do constant. I, you'd hate me. I do it in my phone. Sorry, Mike, for doing this. But I do it in my phone. And I've got, <laughs> well, however like, you do it. At least you're yeah, doing it. I've got a, a stack of outlines and even scene ideas. And sometimes if I run dry, I go to them and go, oh, shit, that's a good idea. I can't believe, Dave, you had that idea like, you know, two months ago. And then I start working off that. So, 
I didn't used to, but now I'm a firm believer in outlines. Yeah. Okay, but my outlines have two purposes. One is to guide me, and the second is to excite readers. So I want the people to be able to read that outline and say, holy shit, where do I get the book now? So the outline, in addition to being a map, is uh, an advertisement for the book. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I have a Substack column where I talk a lot about writing. Okay. Uh, it's mikebaronsubstack.com. Uh, and I wrote a piece there on what's your story about, uh, which I'd like everybody to read because it's one of the most important questions any writer will be asked. And when you get that question, you can't hem or haw or come up with some s- silly little elevator pitch like, uh, Star Wars meets Beauty and the Beast. I hate no, that shit. When people you that. have to be prepared with uh, a detailed, but not overly verbose, uh, invitation to the book. And and if you want to know what I, what it looks like, go to Amazon, uh, look up John D. McDonald, look at his Travis McGee novels, and look at the editorial descriptions. Cool. We'll do. And Mike, shoot me after this the link to your Substack because I'll include it in the show notes for people. Okay, so they can go and check that out. Thank you, sir. Is, are you on one of those sweet Substack deals where they pay you money? Is it is that what you, is it, you you know how Substack started paying people money? You know, you, it's funny. You, I, it was free, and, and then <laughs> one day I found out that a guy had had uh, uh, bought a subscription, and I wasn't offering uh, uh, subscriptions, <laughs> but he bought yeah. it anyway. Because he uh, he thought it was worthwhile, so that's yeah, good. Um, well, you it, have the it definitely is worthwhile. Now, Mike, um, look, I've kept you for a little while here. Now, is there anything else that you would that you're working on that you would like to let the audience know about? Um, I want to include all the links to people. I think the most important thing is people check out your your homepage and thank you for sending me that link, Mike. I'll put that up there. Is there anything else that you would like to sort of promote at this point in time while we're talking? Well, I, I do have a, a YouTube program, and I'm I'm putting mm-hmm. up YouTube's uh, uh, every week now. Uh, okay. And Anne fills me. It's Anne's idea. Uh, good. I owe good so good much life. of my career to her because she's been a tireless supporter. Uh, yeah. And I did a, a a new segment today on Sherlock Holmes. I've been on a Sherlock Holmes oh. binge, and the reason is that uh, I recently wrote a Sherlock Holmes meets Captain Nemo graphic novel. Uh, really? the Richard Richard Bonk has illustrated. It's done. It's mind blowing, uh, and I can't wait for people to see it. This is the material Richard Bonk has been waiting for his whole life. Right. So this is one that will be coming out soon. Sherlock Holmes and Captain not, Nemo. Yeah, yeah. It's Sorry? not that soon uh, because we okay. have so much in the pipeline. But the illustrations are finished. I'm sending you a couple of illustrations uh, via Facebook. Cool. Okay, but sometime in the future, this sounds fantastic. I love Sherlock Holmes, man. Yeah, I'm a big it's, Sherlock it's, Holmes. It's fan. done. It's ready to go. Wow. Wow, we, you're a busy man, Mike. And I'm glad to see you. I, you, you you've caught a second wind, or is it a third wind? You've caught a wind. I don't, know. I don't know how this stuff gets written. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, Mike, look, honestly, you're always welcome back on Signal. And I love it when you, you know, sometimes I reach out to you, but sometimes you say to me, can I come on? And the answer is yes, always. Oh, I had COVID, Mike, by the way. I almost died. And then and then it was like, and I was at my sickest, and I got a message from Mike saying, can I come on Signal? I go, yes, but not today, Mike, because I can barely see. Well, I'm glad <laughs> you recovered, and now you should be immune going forth. Hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed, man. I feel I feel fine. Well, Mike, I want to thank you for coming on Signal. Um, it's always a pleasure, and we wish you nothing but success, man. So thank Thanks, you Dave. Much.